Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy. Available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Support for the Heel Tough Blog podcast comes from Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Look, guys, we've all been there. We've all been trimming. All of a sudden, we clip something we don't want to clip. You don't want to do that. Make sure you take care of your downstairs area, just like the Tar Heels have to make sure they take care of Sam Howell. We don't want to have to put the backup in. And guess what? There's no backup for your balls. So that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their Lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. That's right, manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past, and come on guys, don't use the same trimmer on your face that you're using on your balls, let's just be honest, that is disgusting. Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer, so you don't have to use any of those powders or whatever, you already put deodorant on your armpits, why not put deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? Right now you can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BIGHEADS, that's all one word, BIGHEADS at manscaped.com, always use the right tool for the job, your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BIGHEADS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code BIGHEADS to get your Manscaped product today. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds! The game is over! And Carolina has won the game! Finley to throw. Over the middle, intercepted, Wolfuck again! Wolfuck the other way! At the 30, the 40, Wolfuck to midfield! Miles Wolfuck with the pick, the heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory! Left side of the line, Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams gonna throw, one-on-one, Davis! Has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio is going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap, spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Hunter Barth. Good gosh, dirty. This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Big Heads Media Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome into this edition of the Heel Tough Vlog Podcast. And guys, we are back on the recruiting trail. It isn't the end of the season just yet, thankfully. The Tar Heels still have a bowl game coming up. They will take on Temple in the Military Bowl on December 27th. But uh, we are reaching a crucial stretch for the Tar Heels 2020 recruiting class. And so we are going to have a lot of recruiting podcasts coming up to make sure that we have you guys covered with everything. The first one will start tonight uh, where we will talk about Clyde Pinder Jr. and Jacoby Criswell, whose commitments maybe aren't as solid as we once thought they were. So we'll get into that. We'll kind of talk back and forth between the two and uh, we'll let you know who we think out of the two uh, would be a bigger loss for the Tar Heels if they were to step away. And then we'll have some other stuff that we'll wrap up at the end. But first, we want to welcome in Zach Hubbard, our recruit analyst here uh, for the Heel Tough blog. Zach, how's it been going, man? It's been a while, but now that we're in the offseason, it's time to focus back on recruiting. 
absolutely, absolutely. Glad to be back. Glad to be talking to some recruiting. You know, this type of year, it's always pretty busy. Tons of information. So glad to be back and, and glad to uh, you know really get down and see sort of where these guys are looking around at. Well, we've got a crucial time uh, coming up here for this 2020 class. Really the most crucial time um, with the early signing period now being in place. Of course, that will start on December 18th. It'll end on December 20th. Uh, it's the three-day window, a little bit different than, of course, the February window that we were all used to for so long. But uh, the Tar Heels, as of right now, have 24 guys that are just about definite to sign in the early period. Now, that does not mean that they will early enroll because of the amount of guys that are leaving. Um, at one point earlier this season, due to graduations, I think the number was 12. That might might go up uh, with transfers, so there might be some other early enrollee spots, um, but there are some guys like uh, Des Evans, the four-star weak side defensive end, uh, or now I think back up to five-star. It's been all over the place with uh, where they've had him. I think he's now a composite five-star once again, um, but he is going to stay at Lee County High School as well as Jaden Chalmers. They're going to play, uh, I, I know that Des is going to play basketball this year um, and will graduate in June, so there's some guys that... You know, don't don't get too concerned as long as they sign in the early period, they'll be fine. Um, they just might not early enroll. But there are two guys that at one time were, were pretty solid to signing early in the class. We're really excited to potentially get on campus early. And now all of a sudden, due to some new offers and some other things that have been going on, have kind of been taking a look uh, elsewhere. But we'll start with the guy out of the state of Florida, which is Clyde Pinder Jr. We'll start with him because he he took his official visit to campus over the weekend, uh, was there from the 6th until the 8th, and uh, I mean, look, he's he's one week ahead of, of some of the major official visits. Uh, really, this week is when most of the guys are going to be on campus, but he was on campus uh, with a couple of guys uh, that are committed in the class. DJ Jones as well as Cameron Roseman Sinclair were on campus this past weekend. Both those guys are very solid to Carolina, but it does mean that this fight, the, the final week before uh, the early signing period opens, he does have free. So some are wondering whether or not he will be taking a visit to Florida or maybe somewhere else. Um, and there are some people that are concerned because he did go to uh, Gainesville for the Florida State-Florida game. Um, reportedly, he said that it was only for family, not for him because his family uh, were they were big Gator fans when they grew up. I uh, was just kind of wanting to go through the experience with uh, some of his family members so they could get sort of an inside look at Florida football, which was something cool that he could have done. That's what he told Don Callahan of Inside Carolina. Um, so, I, I mean, it's it's definitely interesting. Where, where do you think right now Pinder kind of stands on his commitment? Because this was a guy that seemed solid for a while, but uh, taking, take, taking that visit to Gainesville, Gainesville after getting the offer just a couple of weeks earlier definitely uh, throws a little bit of a wrench into the plans for Carolina. Absolutely, and I think that you have to look at from a couple angles. Um, but Pinder's been pretty upfront with the fact that these visits, or whether this visit in particular was, you know, one for family, not anything that um, Tar Heel fans and the coaching staff should be worried about. Uh, then at a later date said, you know, well, maybe I do want to take some official visits. Maybe, you know, in late December or in January, maybe I don't want to sign in the early signing period and want to take it all the way to February. So that, that was definitely some cause for concern. Now, as you said, did take his official visit this past weekend is looking to be pretty firm coaching staff feels good about having that firmed up with him now changing his plan back to signing in that early signing period and I think sort of when you look at the two angles uh, really with that Florida visit they're probably the main competition right now mm -hmm. for his signature if he was going to take other visits and you sort of have to look at the two angles um, as a Florida native obviously there's going to be the in-state angle of playing close to home everything along those lines uh, in, in terms of what their pitch is um, they could argue I would say the, what Florida would argue would be maybe a greater national perspective but mm -hmm. when you look at the UNC side uh, this UNC coaching staff the way that they recruit the way they've recruited so far in this class is they've locked in on guys they've really wanted and they've put their attention almost solely in those guys and Pender is included in that of being essentially the staff's only target at the nose guard position and when you look right. at the roster 
uh, coming up, you know, in terms of scholarship defensive linemen, they're still on the roster. There's really only one true guy that we know 100% is going to play nose guard in 2020. And um, redshirt sophomore, or um, yeah, redshirt sophomore Jaleel Taylor. Now, maybe Zach Gill moves in there. Maybe you get one of the freshman guys like. Um, you know, Kevin Hester or Wisdom Asaburo that moves in there to the inside slot. We really only know for up one. So I think one of UNC's major selling points here is playing time. It does look like that, you know, if Pender was to sign and come in in 2020, you know, it's pretty wide open for that backup nose guard spot as a defensive lineman. They're going to rotate a lot. They're going to get playing time. So I think UNC has really got an advantage there uh, in terms of what they can offer with playing time. Plus, taking a look real quick at Florida's commitment list, they do have four defensive tackles currently committed. We're looking to have five or six committed in the class to rebuild their defensive line. I believe they run a 4-3, so obviously a lot of positions for these guys to fill into. But, you know, UNC can offer earlier playing time and really a more, you know, consistent message, a home field that they've provided since he committed in the summer. So at this point in the process, I would feel pretty good about him signing on the 18th, uh, along with a lot of these other guys in the class. I feel good about that now. Of course, we will have to see if he does anything this weekend, but for the time being, you know, my prediction is going to be that he sticks in the class. Right, and as of right now, there are no other official visits scheduled, uh, which there's only one weekend, so that's that's the good news. If he was to go and schedule an official visit for this weekend, especially to Florida, I think that would be when uh, people should start getting a little bit concerned. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, when you look at the landscape of the roster, I think this is probably going to be his best chance to play early. Uh, it's just kind of based on what does he, what, what is his look on it? Is he a guy that wants to come in and immediately play early? Is that something big that's playing into his commitment? Um, if it is, then yeah, you're right. Especially with Brant Lawless Cheryl now saying that he was going, he's going to enter the transfer portal. Um, it, you're you're right. I mean, you look at the roster. Jaleel Taylor's really your only guy that you know is going to be a nose guard. I don't see. I know some people would say, well, what about Kedrick Bingley Jones? Uh, he is not a nose tackle. Uh, I've seen him play. He's definitely a guy that's going to fit more of that three, four, four eye technique type defensive end. I think he's the perfect fit for that role, just from seeing him multiple times this year. Um, and you know, you look at some of the other guys. You talked about Zach Gill. Uh, the thing with Zach Gill is he might be needed in the you know four eye technique spot that's going to be left behind by Jason Strobridge. So, uh, you know, you don't really know if you're going to have the ability to move him over. You talked about a guy like Wisdom Osaburo. Um, it'll be interesting to see what he becomes because I remember Wisdom, a, a really a, a thinner framed guy, um, has the de- definitely has a lot of size on him. I believe, if I remember correctly, on the exact size, he's six 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 seven, really big guy, um, but really doesn't fit that that definition of a nose tackle that you want. Whereas Clyde Pinder fits that to the T. Six foot and a half, 303 pounds, a guy that can really clog up space. But the other good thing about him is very similar to what Aaron Crawford does. Not only will he take up a lot of space in the middle of that defense, he also does a great job of being able to get after the quarterback. He is a little bit more athletic than people will probably give him credit for. And he's got that bull in a china shop mentality that you love from your nose tackles. That's what can make guys that, you know, go from just being able to slow down the run, being able to get after the quarterback and, and create issues. And that's the thing. You know, Carolina this past year, as we saw with the season going along, it, you saw the drop off in production from the outside pass rushers. Now, there are going to be some new guys coming in this year that people, you know, just based on recruiting ranking, think will be a lot better, will be able to get after the quarterback more consistently. But you would like to have a guy in Pinder who can do that from the nose tackle position too, which was what they got this year from Aaron Crawford. So, um, yeah, I think you're right. The best case scenario is make sure that you get him locked down in this early period because you would feel like if he ends up delaying his decision to February, 
that that really has the feel at that point of he's probably going to flip to Florida. And the biggest issue is then is that that becomes the biggest position of need if he ends up flipping. Uh, and without a doubt, they've got to get somebody in there. One of the guys that is you know still a target for them right now, and I don't know how big of a target he really is, is Octavius Oxendine, uh, the three-star defensive tackle out of the state of Kentucky. Um, he was a guy that took an official visit during the season, and as of right now, I think it's probably going to stick in the state of Kentucky, but I wonder if the Tar Heels have contacted him and maybe have started to, you know, heat some things up just a little bit with the uncertainty around Pinder, but um, the other guy that, that we've got to talk about real quick, and then we will uh, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of talk about which one of the two is, is, is the bigger loss in the class, if for some reason they are to step away, is the quarterback in the class, 2024 star dual threat, Jacoby Criswell, a guy that just continues to be on the rise. Fantastic season at Moralton High School uh, out of the state of Arkansas. And this is a, a recruitment that we knew might have changed a little bit when Auburn came in and offered, but I don't think Auburn is the biggest threat anymore. Uh, now it looks like it is going to be Arkansas, who just hired Georgia offensive line coach Sam Pittman to take over the head coaching job. Biggest reason why they hired Sam Pittman, not only is he a good offensive line coach, he is one of the best recruiters in the entire country. And much like Mack a year ago, he has hit the grounds running and had an in-home visit to today uh, with Jacoby Criswell. So um, this is this is one that I think, you know, I, coming into the week, before I knew that Criswell was going to be having this in-home visit, I was a little more concerned about Pinder's recruitment. Now Pinder goes on campus, seems to firm his recruitment or his uh, commitment up a little bit. Criswell, on the other hand, it seems like it might be going in a little bit of a different direction, wouldn't you say? I, I would say it's definitely more contentious right now for Chris Rell's recruitment than compared to Pender. Pender with having his official visit this past week, it seems to be a little bit more shored up. I mean, you mentioned sort of the numerous angles here. Uh, Chris Well, who's been committed since June, uh, was uh, offensive coordinator Phil Longo's really primary quarterback target in this class, even when he was at Old Miss, right. and carried that over when he took the job here in North Carolina, then became North Carolina's top QB target. Uh, really fits the mold of what uh, Coach Longo wants to do uh, with a quarterback in his offense. Has a big arm, but also has the ability to you know stretch out a defense with the run from that sort of read option game or RPO game uh, that they like to implement. So really a guy that I think UNC was really happy to have when he committed, but obviously there's a little bit of you know other players entering the mix sort of near October, November um, when Auburn backup quarterback Joey Gatewood transferred. There was kind mm -hmm. of some talk of, well, is Auburn going to switch on him being the primary quarterback target in this class? There was some talk about that for a while, but uh, Criswell ended up really not visiting um, with the Auburn staff. Seems like they're going to go in a different direction, especially with um, the hire today of new Auburn OC, Chad Morris. Mm -hmm. um, Chad Morris has a son that's a quarterback, uh, yep. highly rated four-star quarterback in this class in Chandler Morris. So it seems like Auburn's going to go more that way uh, with their new offensive coordinator's son being their quarterback in this class. So really over the past few days, we've seen Arkansas become a big competitor for Chris Well. Um, as an Arkansas native, obviously that would be his sort of in-state, you know, hometown team that he would have watched growing up. He has a cousin, I believe, that, um, or brother rather, of Drake Greenlaw that was an Arkansas yep. um, linebacker, now in the NFL uh, with the 49ers. So, there's a lot of connections that he has already to Arkansas. Just didn't really have a lot of interest um, when Chad Morris was there this past season. Right. Obviously, with a 10-2 record, didn't really have a great you know start uh, to that tenure. Obviously, saw him get fired this past year. So it's really sort of picked up as we saw Sam Pittman uh, take this job. Sam Pittman is sort of a native of the area, has connections in the area, was, like you said, a monster recruiter at UGA. So potentially... Um, 
you know, a new face on this program. And I really think that the angle that Arkansas is going to try to sell here over the next few days is, hey, you know, with the type of offense that we'll most likely want to run, which will most likely be, you know, a lot of this RPO spread offense that we see throughout college football everywhere, that's something that we really want to implement here. And I think that they can sell him on early playing time, similar to what UNC sold on Sam Howell last year. Um, you know, basically selling it's an open competition in the fall. You can come in and compete for playing time early. I think that that could be a big factor mm-hmm. over the next you know couple days to get his signature, as it does look like that you know there's potential for him to sign early or go late. Now, I think the main thing going in UNC's favor would be the length of the relationships involved. I mean, as right. Coach Longo's primary target for several years now uh, in his role as an offensive coordinator at different schools there's a big built-in relationship there that Arkansas just doesn't have I mean Arkansas at this point doesn't even have an offensive coordinator committed or a quarterback's coach or anything like right. that so right. really all they can sell is a is a basic idea and a basic scheme that's coming from this head coach uh, a very good recruiter as a head coach but just a head coach no staff in place you know no thought for roster or anything like that at this point um, really I think the biggest thing to keep in mind though is that you know coming out of this weekend the general plan for Criswell with UNC was that he does have an official visit scheduled right. to come to Chapel Hill this coming weekend signing day would be the upcoming Wednesday his plan at the time was to take his official visit and then to sign that next Wednesday on the early signing day now tonight was his in home with Sam Pittman or this afternoon rather so he's had that meeting Mm -hmm. what Targill fans need to watch for over the next few days is does Preswell come to Chapel Hill on his official visit over the weekend Right. and does he continue with that plan to sign in the early signing period I think those are the two big things that you're going to need to happen to feel really good about this the longer the recruitment goes the less good that you can probably feel about how this commitment's going to go just because of that big sell of early playing time and being a you know playing for the hometown team the in-state team so I think that UNC's really got to push for that over the next few days those are really the two big factors to push for if I had to put an estimation on it today I would say that he sticks just based on the timeline being so close to early signing day it's going to be hard for Arkansas to really build those relationships and I think that's going to be really important here but they do have a really big sell and a really appealing sell so it's one that we'll definitely need to watch over the coming days yeah I mean look you know they got their head coach Sam Pittman in pretty you know late in the going here for the early signing period this is the new challenge with the early signing period Uh, that's the reason why more than likely if you know teams are thinking okay this really isn't our guy you're going Going to see coaches start to get fired midseason. Um, now the thing is, is you could say, well, maybe they don't have enough time to come in and and, and turn his commitment uh, towards them. Uh, there's two aspects to look at that at with this. Remember, we would have said the last the, the same thing last year. Or this is probably what Florida State fans were saying last year when we were talking about Sam Howell's commitment because Mac Brown and his staff. Now, granted, they did get in a little bit earlier, but even so, that's still a really short period of time to work with um, and, and the other thing is is I don't really think that that is what Sam Pittman's going to focus on here with Criswell. His focus is not we need to get him committed in the early period. It would be nice but unfortunately you're not going to be able to get him in there in the early period barring something extremely shocking uh, and, and just a complete change of mind from Criswell. You're going to have to put in some leg work. Uh, as you mentioned they don't have an offensive coordinator or even a quarterback's coach in place just yet. So what they're looking at is let's make this decision last until February. And if they can do that, I think they feel like they've got a really good shot. Um, You you mentioned that Auburn pretty much out of it now. Yeah, I would say they're almost 100% out of it because I would be just unbelievably shocked if Chandler Morris doesn't end up going with his dad to Auburn. I think that was kind of something that Auburn knew when they ended up signing him. And they already have a quarterback committed in their class of two. 2020, as well as the class of 2021, they have their quarterback as well. So I think Auburn's pretty set. That's the good news is that they seem to be out of the running for Chriswell, but 
yeah, the biggest threat right now is Arkansas. And and look, this it's it's a known thing that Criswell has said for a while. He wants to be a guy that can represent the home state and represent Arkansas. It was just I don't feel like he you know first of all with Chandler Morris committed at Arkansas, I don't feel like he thought he was going to be able to come in there and overtake him. And you know I, I don't know if if Chad Morris even if he didn't have a son in that class would have been able to wrap up uh, his commitment because it just didn't feel like there was a really close tie between him and the staff at Arkansas. Now, already you can see that they're making him a priority. And like you said, I mean, how much you, you wonder with him, what does how does playing time factor in? Because it's a little bit different than with what we saw when we were talking about Pinder, where Pinder's going to have an opportunity to come in and play a lot. He also plays is a position where you rotate players. They don't rotate players at quarterback unless there's an injury. Um, and Sam Howell right now is, you know, just lighting the world on fire. We know we've been talking about it a lot here on this podcast. And honestly, look, you know, both of these guys have had really successful seasons, Sam at the college level and Criswell at the prep level. And I think that's honestly kind of hurting Carolina's chances here, believe it or not. The success of Criswell now becoming a solid four-star prospect at quarterback, being an Elite 11 guy, having a really successful year, and with Sam Howell showing that he's not giving up the job anytime soon, got to remember, Sam's going to be here for at least two more years. I think Criswell is seeing that and saying, okay, well, there's not really a whole lot of space to play here. If I go to Arkansas, I mean, look, unless there's just somebody that comes out of the woodworks there, it looks like that's pretty much a wide open job next year unless they land a big name transfer that hits the market or something. Uh, it's it's going to be open to whoever steps in in the fall and is comp- and, and has a chance to compete for that job. Criswell is a guy that just from seeing you know the, the statistics and hearing everything that we've heard from a lot of the people, this is a really, really good football player and is a guy that, um, you know, that Phil Longo's been targeting for a reason. He feels like he fits his offense pretty well, and we've seen how special the Phil Longo offense can be. So, uh, I, you know, the biggest thing for Carolina, like you said, he will take his official visit this weekend. He is going to be on campus with commits that he has been around for a long, long time. A lot of these guys have been going to games all year. They've been in contact with them. Uh, You wonder if they can just kind of, I mean the staff's going to try to sell it too, but you wonder if the guys around him are going to be able to sell, stick in this class, and we're a part of something special. Um, It'll be interesting to see, and, and I'm with you. I think you know we're we're gonna learn pretty pretty quickly uh, after he makes after he's on campus for his visit what decision he will make because I mean he'll get off campus on on Sunday and then turn around and he'll pretty much have to have his decision made probably Monday or Tuesday as to whether or not he will take part in the early signing period. So um, the good news is is that out of all of that, look, I mean Monday and Tuesday, I believe. Are, are, are dead periods. I don't know if you can contact players up until then. I don't remember the exact uh, NCAA recruiting schedule, but the Tar Heels will get the last swing. Is that, you know, what kind of impression can they make and how big does that weigh on the mind, I think, will be the ultimate question. So, um, you know, that we kind of have gone through each guy, kind of told you where we think they stand at. Um, Now the biggest question is, is out of the two, if one of them was to decommit in this class, which one of these two do you think would be the biggest decommitment for the Tar Heels? Which one do you think could hurt the class the most? I think you have to look at a few different angles. I mean, it's different positions, quarterback and uh, nose guards. You really have to determine what's more important. I think most people would argue quarterback in this instance. These are two guys that I feel like there's a decent chance, if not good chance, for both of them to compete for the backup spot at their given position, like we mentioned with Clyde Pender. 
Um, you know, there's not really another guy on the roster that we're seeing right now that's a clear-cut, you know, backup nose guard right now in terms of the quarterback position. You know, Sam Howell is a very entrenched starter. Of course, you do have Chase Reuter there. He would be the expected backup, uh, but with injury history, you know, you don't really know yet what he's going to be like in the spring. So mm-hmm. I think that they would definitely be a chance, and just based on the skill that he has coming out of high school, that Chris Well, you know, could compete for that backup position um, with with the depth that we've seen at both positions. It, it's easier to not have a backup nose guard than it is to not have a backup quarterback. Um, I, I think that that's pretty clear. Just with the way that you rotate defensive linemen, you'll have some packages in which, you know, in which you have multiple defensive ends and don't necessarily have a nose guard on the field. Uh, in offense, you don't really have that option with a quarterback unless you're going to you know, play wildcat the whole time or just do read options the whole time. So with that, in terms of the you know the greatest decommitment, I think it would have to be Criswell just based on the position involved. Um, I think that both would definitely be a loss. I think they're two of the most important commits in this class. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really hard for me to go against a quarterback being the most important, especially sort of with the outlook uh, in the future to get a quarterback and just with the nature of the quarterback game today with the transfer portal and everything along those lines. Um, you hope to get one and recruit him and develop him in-house as best you can. So I'd say he's probably my pick. I'd love to hear who you think is going to be the, you know, who would be the bigger loss amongst these two. Well, I, I mean, here's the thing. You know, when you talk about the quarterback position, uh, you definitely do not want to get back to what we saw late in the Larry Fedora era. It is key to bring a quarterback in in each class. So I agree that that is a big concern. Um, I'm actually going to go with Pinder though, and I'll tell you why. There's a few different reasons that that I've you know been been thinking about since this kind of popped into my mind. When you look at Clyde Pinder, um, you know just just in terms of where where he's going to fit in in his position, um, especially if he enrolls early, uh, he would come in and have a chance to start. There, there is real potential. Um, you know, I, I've seen some things out of Jaleel Taylor, but he doesn't. Uh, he's not a guy that if you got someone in there to compete with him, you would say, okay, there's no chance that anybody's going to beat him out. Um, you know, he, he just really hasn't proven himself to that level just yet. And that's good. You want that to happen so it, it creates some competition. Um, but, I mean, y- y- you mentioned it. Who is that guy behind Pinder? Uh, you know, if, if he ends up leaving the class, who's the guy on the roster that would then take over behind Jaleel Taylor or compete with Jaleel Taylor? It doesn't really feel like there is one. At that point, that likely means that the Tar Heels would have to turn to the transfer portal or then they're going to have to scramble to try to find a nose guard somewhere uh, out there in, in, at the end of this 2020 class. Now, that wouldn't be the worst thing because as we've seen with this staff, they have the ability to scramble and find guys, but but, I mean, this is a guy that you've had committed to the class for a while, has been one of the guys that not only has done a good job, you know, staying committed and, and, and con- you know, sort of communicating with all the other guys in the class, he's also tried to help you lock down some commitments. So he's been a really big part of this 2020 class for a while. Uh, He seems to fit everything that you want to do with your scheme, and losing him in the middle would be huge. The other reason that I think that Pinder would be a little bit bigger is because when it comes to the 2020 class, I I really don't think that people are looking at the fact that Jefferson Boaz is committed in this class to Carolina. And I know that everybody sees that 24-7 sports lists him as a tight end. He's, I mean, it's really hard to say the guy that's 6'7 and, and in, you know, in the 200s is, is listed as an athlete, but he really is. Um, you know, just from, I remember back in June when he was at uh, the Mac Brown camp, uh, he ran at both tight end, linebacker, even did a little bit of quarterback stuff. And then I actually went out and saw him this year uh, for East Surrey's game against Reed which was their biggest test of the season, and I watched him put on a show. I'm going to tell you, just from watching him, and I know that some of the people are going to say, well, he plays at a lower level, 1A, uh, you know, or you know, the 1A level, playing for the 1AA state championship this upcoming uh, weekend. Look, this, this guy, I mean, just from watching his mechanics, he looks like a guy that if he had to play quarterback, he could. And the staff has talked to him about playing quarterback. Pretty much, I mean, they, they've got a guy in the class that if Criswell stays committed, 
he can play elsewhere. They could play him at tight end. They could play him at linebacker. There's so many different things that they could do with them. But if they lose Criswell, they do have a guy, they, they have a backup plan. So that's where I think, you know, if you look at which one of these two would be the bigger loss, I don't think they have a backup plan right now for Pinder in this class because I just, no matter how many times I, I, I've seen him, I just don't see a defensive tackle in Kedrick Bingley Jones. He's just, that's just not the way that he plays. I feel like he's that four-eye technique. But I think that Boaz, if needed, could play quarterback. I don't know how successful he could be. I don't know if he's on the same level as Criswell. I don't think so. I think Criswell definitely has a, is a more gifted quarterback. But I think that Boaz is a guy that if you needed him to come in and play, he is definitely better than your true this year true freshman walk-ons next year. Um, it'll be redshirt freshman walk-ons. And, you know, I, I don't think he might – I think Jace Reuter might still beat him out, but this is still a guy that if you needed to come in and, and play some snaps for you, I don't think it would be the end of the world. So that's that's the reason I'm going to lean with uh, Clyde Pinder. But I think we can both agree that these two guys, like you said, very important pieces to this class. You want to keep both of them in place, and it'll be interesting to see if they do. And uh, we'll, we'll, of course, be you know covering uh, everything with these two guys as well as all of the other uh, guys that are scheduled to sign in the early signing period. Of course, we will be back to preview um, the early signing period. Uh, we'll do that sometime early next week, probably Monday or Tuesday uh, for you guys so that we can have you guys ready to go. Uh, for the early signing period. So um, the, I, we'll, we'll turn to some of the other stuff that I wanted to touch on really quick before we get out of here. Um, one guy that I know you you probably want to talk about a lot, and we can talk about him here for just a second, Trenton Simpson, the 2024 star linebacker. Uh, yes, he's still a four-star, became a Rivals five-star last week, but ESPN is the only thing that's preventing him. Uh, they have him ranked as the 107th player in the country. Uh, that could not be more false. Uh, I've seen him, you know, in camps. I've seen him play in games multiple times, and this kid is definitely not a four-star guy. I think he's a five-star guy. Um, like I said, I, I said it on Twitter uh, sometime last week when we were talking amongst some of the fans and everything. Um, I, I've seen both guys play, both him and Des Evans uh, out of Lee County High School. I think he's the better of the two prospects. I really think he's that good. And the good news is, is that the Tar Heels, uh, as of right now, still the heavy favorites for him. Um, he is going to make his decision on December 18th, barring something extremely last minute. Um, I, I think he's he's going to hold on to that decision and, and go ahead and make it on the first day of the early signing period. Um, and, I mean, look, some believe that he's still waiting on the Clemson offer, but I don't at this point, I mean, look, you're you're closing in on a week away. Uh, we're officially a week tomorrow. Clemson still has not offered him yet. It feels like Clemson still thinks that they're in the driver's seat for Justin Flo. So I, I'm I'm not sure if they're going to end up offering him. But uh, Zach, you know, where do you feel confidence-wise uh, with Trenton Simpson's recruitment right now? Is this something that you, you feel pretty confident with going into uh, what will probably be the most important? decision remaining in this 2020 class for the Tar Heels. I, I do feel pretty confident. I do want to say beforehand, I do want to echo your point. Uh, I think that Trent is a five-star prospect mm -hmm. at really either linebacker position, whether they put him inside or outside. Like you, I probably would him would put him just a tiny bit ahead of Des Evans even. Uh, I know that some Tar Heel fans might be surprised to hear that. They could look at you know Des Evans' ranking and see, well, he's you know he's a composite five-star. Go watch the tape for Trenton Simpson. That is what a five-star linebacker looks like. But right. Moving on from there mm -hmm. to his recruitment, you know, UNC has been the heavy favorite since he decommitted from Auburn. Mm -hmm. But really, it's been two schools that have been, have been in the discussion, like you mentioned, UNC and Clemson. But as you mentioned, you know, Clemson hasn't offered. Their numbers right now are kind of tight in terms of linebacker. They would like to add one, but it's really going into that early signing period. It, 
at this point, even still, it only looks like that they're only going to be able to sign one guy. Right. And they'd like to have one or the other. Now, the primary target for Clemson, like you mentioned, is going to be Justin Flo. Mm-hmm. This past, I believe this past weekend or the weekend before, took sort of a surprise last-minute official visit um, to the University of Southern California. They're sort of near... Uh, where he lives um, in Upland, California. So it's kind of concern there from the Clemson side, which um, sources say, you know, sort of led them to reach out, gauge their interests, interest uh, with Trenton. Um, so obviously something that UNC is kind of monitoring, wanting to see sort of what, you know, that interest is going to be on the Clemson side of it. I do know that they still feel some level of confidence um, with Trenton. Do feel like, you know, if they offered even up until signing day, that they would have a chance for him to sign that next day. Um, now, I myself, I have a little trouble believing that just based on the timeline. It, it's hard to say, you know, that a kid would get an offer one day and sign with that program the next. I do think there's legitimate interest in Clemson. I mean, they're the defending national champion. They're a consistent playoff team. It's not hard to understand why a kid of his caliber would be interested. But I think at this point, just throughout the past couple weeks and months, as he's consistently attended UNC games and been in contact with, you know, the players and prospects and coaches, all this focus from the UNC side, really for the past month, he's been their number one top guy in the 2020 class that's uncommitted, just because they have so many guys already committed. So the focus has been entirely on him and building that relationship um, that we sort of mentioned that were built with, you know, Pender and Criswell. This Mm -hmm. staff is big on relationships. And I think that that's going to be the key factor going into that early signing day. He just has better relationships in Chapel Hill with the staff, with the commits, with the players. Clemson is always going to be a factor uh, Mm -hmm. until that, you know, signed letter of intent is sent in. But I feel like at the end of the day, you know, barring anything unforeseen, I feel confident about him, um, you know, the choice being UNC and him signing with UNC on that date when he commits uh, December 18th. Yeah, no, I I think you're right. Uh, There's a lot of people that have kind of focused in on the fact that this was a dream school for him um, really since a young age. But I'm kind of with you. Like, I, I don't know... Even if they were to pop the the offer last minute, I mean, how are you just going to go from, okay, you know, I, I've been on a campus for official visits to some of these other schools and everything, but this school that just offered me, I'm now going to switch my commitment over to them, uh, and this is, this is where I'm going to go uh, without even taking an official visit to campus. I, I don't know if that's possible. I think if, they, if, if Clemson was to offer, um, you know, re- relatively soon, I would say probably within the next three or four days. He might end up pushing his commitment back to February, um, but I also think that he is—he's pretty sold on making his decision now and, and trying to get in somewhere as an early enrollee, so he can come in and, and have some some sort of effect. Um, like you mentioned, yeah, Clemson's class really uh, is pretty packed so far, and yeah, they're only looking to add one linebacker in the class. They've made that pretty well known uh, throughout all of the recruiting community that look uh, we want one linebacker and if it's if, if Justin Flo is willing to come to Clemson that will be our guy uh, the big blow for Clemson they thought that Clay Helton was going to be fired at USC just like probably most of the country thought um, and unfortunately that didn't happen so I think that maybe there is a little bit of uneasiness right now amongst Clemson fans I still feel like you know just just from you know kind of following his commitment on the outside, I would still say he's probably a lean towards Clemson, but I think that the appeal of staying home is, is going to be interesting. Like we talked about with both of the guys uh, that are committed in our class that are potentially looking elsewhere, but um, I, I, you know, Clemson, you got to hand it to Clemson. They're playing this about as smart as they could. They're, you know, not sort of, you know, offending Justin Flo by offering Trenton Simpson just yet. They're making sure that they're telling Flo, look, we haven't offered anybody else. You're still our only focus. But at the same time, they're still keeping a leash on Simpson and kind of letting him know, like, hey, 
we could still offer you at some point. We're not 100% sure on Flo's commitment, so just be ready. We could offer you, and that could alter uh, you know, what, what you're potentially looking at in terms of offers. So, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. I think it's going to be a couple of nail-biting days here. Uh, I think the key is, is, look, if the Tar Heels can get to at least early next week, probably Monday, uh, without an offer from Clemson for Trenton Simpson, I think that they are probably in, in really good shape. They should feel really confident, and it would look like he's going to be a part of the class. Um, you you, you kind of said it there, too. It's really only down to two schools for him. I don't think that there is anybody else that's in the race. I know that there's you know some people at Auburn that are trying to say that maybe Auburn's still in it. No, Auburn's not in that race. Uh, Georgia at one time looked like they might be trying to push for him. That is, is pretty much all gone. It's down to two schools. If he gets the offer from Clemson, We'll see whether or not that will change anything. Um, even still, when he gets the offer from Clemson, Carolina might be the favorite. If he doesn't get the offer from Clemson, uh, I, it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that he will be going to Carolina. So uh, there is reason to be confident that the Tar Heels will add another huge commitment to this already great uh, 2020 class. So uh, just a couple other things we want I, I want to touch on before we get out of here. Six scholarship commits uh, will play for their state title this weekend. Des Evans, Jaden Chalmers from Lee County High School will take on uh, one of the best players in the 2021 class and the Gatorade Player of the Year in the state of North Carolina and Will Shipley. He's a guy that is a Tar Heel target um, and, and is a guy that we'll probably be talking about a lot after we close down this 2020 class. Uh, so that should be an extremely interesting matchup for those guys as they look for their first state championship. Jefferson Boaz and Steven Gosnell, as well as well as preferred walk-on commit Landon Stevens. Uh, those three guys are going to be going for the one double A state title as they look to avenge last year's state championship loss to Tarboro. That will not be an easy game considering Tarboro uh, is one of the most dominant teams in the state over the last few years. Speaking of dominant teams in the state of North Carolina, Malik McGowan and Charlotte Catholic, they will be going up against Southern Nash High School as they look for their third straight state championship. They survived a just unbelievable game in the semifinals, a game that went to seven overtimes against Kings Mountain. Um, so he'll look to get his third championship ring. And then Elijah Green at a blessed Trinity Catholic High School in the state of Georgia. He goes for the Georgia 4A state championship, looking for his third straight ring there. Uh, he has had a phenomenal season and is one of those guys that uh, I don't think a lot of people are talking about in this class, but uh, is really doing some special things out there and could make an impact at running back before too long when he gets on campus. Last thing that I wanted to tell you guys before we let you go, Jaquarius Conley is headed to the Army All-American Bowl. He joins Josh Downs and Clyde Pinder, who we talked about earlier, as guys that will attend that game. Of course, last year, you guys know Sam Howell attended that game and had a fantastic performance. So uh, that one will be on a national television. And now Jaquarius Conley, who is one of those guys that is beginning to rise in the rankings inside the top 200 uh, in just about every uh, major recruiting site's rankings. Uh, he is now heading to an all-star game. So that's great to see for him. So that is going to wrap it up for this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. I uh, want to thank Zach for uh, stopping by and, and chatting with us here. Uh, it was great to have you back on, buddy. And man, uh, we, we are entering a, a key stretch for uh, this Tar Heel recruiting uh, group here, and uh, it's it's extremely exciting. I'm glad we could have you back on, and uh, you, you know that we're, uh, we're we're ready to go. We're ready to go, and uh, here here on the Heel Tough Blog podcast uh, for the end of the early signing period, and uh, glad we could have you stop back by with us. Glad to be back this uh, this evening, and you know, look forward to the next few days. I think there's a lot to be excited about. Um, you look at this UNC class compared to the last few years. This 2020 class sitting at 17th in the nation, uh, number three in the ACC, and is competing with you know SEC powerhouses and the national championship or national champion rather for commits. I think that you know there's a good it's a good place to be in uh, to be a Tar Heel fan or, or Tar Heel football fan specifically at this moment. 
Yeah, so a lot of excitement. As we said, we'll have you covered on the Heel Tough Blog podcast with an early signing day preview. We'll also do, uh, once the early signing period wraps up, we will do an early signing recap where uh, we'll, we'll do some really fun stuff. We'll talk about some of our favorite guys in the class, some underrated guys in the class, um, and really just kind of give you a look at what we expect uh, from a class that's just been, you know, I, I mean, one of the best that we've seen in a very long time. And just an immaculate class considering uh, you know just how quickly the staff has come in and had an effect not only on the state of North Carolina but really uh, in the national landscape as well Uh, so we'll have all that for you of course we'll have you covered on the Heel Tough blog website as well with all the stuff you need for National Signing Day we'll have the preview for National Signing Day where we'll preview uh, what the biggest storylines are going into the day of course we'll have uh, my favorite thing that I do on National Signing Day which will be uh, uh, the live feed thread, so we'll have everything covered in there. We'll have, uh, you know, whenever the guys sign, we'll end up uh, posting it on there, so you guys can stay with that throughout the day, and that'll update you on everything that you need to know uh, when it comes to some of the Toriel's biggest prospects and uh, if they sign their letters of intent. If they don't, now of course this year it's a little bit different because there are some of the guys that are going to decide on the 19th and on the 20th. Um, last year it seemed like just about every Everybody went on the first day. This year, it's it's a little more spread out. You can see some of the major targets also are kind of waiting. The 18th will be when most of the major guys will make their decisions because that's when, of course, ESPN does uh, their special feature uh, day that they do, the National Signing Day feature uh, that they do on ESPNU. Uh, um, but yeah, I think that for the most part, we're, we're going to have to keep an eye on it for a couple of days. Uh, but still, uh, we'll have you covered with everything there. And then of course, after it's all over, we will break down every single prospect for you. Uh, let you guys know uh, just what you're getting in every single player. Uh, so we're hitting a key time for the Tar Heels on the uh, recruiting trail. And of course, after that, we'll let you know some of the maybe late uh, class 2020 targets and then uh, we'll also probably turn a little bit of the focus to the 2021 class. So make sure you check out all that HeelToughBlog.com. That's where you can check out the podcast as well. Of course me and Josh will be back to preview the bowl game against Temple and then we'll recap that one. Lock down the season. We'll have uh, where we'll do our, our postseason awards. Of course we did the midseason awards so we'll do that at some point and then there'll be a lot of great offseason features that we're going to do as well. Um, so make sure you check that out. Also, the basketball team. Um, we, we have the Roy's Boys podcast that we're doing. Of course, there's still great stuff on the website as well. You can go back, check out uh, the recap from the game against Virginia as well as uh, my analysis from the game. Also, you've got, uh, we'll, we'll have the recap uh, edition of podcasts podcast. That'll go up tomorrow. Um, of course, we, uh, we, we just, we don't hate, we, just like the Tar Heels, we seem to have no luck uh, with the podcast we have uh, we taped it once and unfortunately uh, it got somehow saved over so unfortunately we have to go back and suffer through the pain of recapping that Virginia game yet again but we're going to do it for you guys so uh, make sure that I uh, keep up with all that and uh, it, it, we'd love for you guys uh, make sure you subscribe rate and review the podcast for us uh, we would really appreciate that as well so thank you guys for listening to this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. We will be back next week to or early next week to preview the upcoming early signing period. Uh, Until then, thank you guys for listening and as always, go Tar Heels!